velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this and McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scores. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug. The rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I am joined in a little bit of a bad mood by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, that was a tough one on Saturday. Tough one, mate. Um, I'm okay. I'm here. But yeah, these are... These are the Monday nights that we we don't look forward to, G. Hey, what what, what could have been? And um, yeah, flat and very very disappointing. But we're we're still here every week as usual. Bath ten, London Irish twenty five at home. A game like a game that we felt like we had to win, needed to win to kind of give ourselves a chance of, of probably not finishing bottom this season. A game like felt like it was there to win as well at the start of the game and and to throw in a performance like that Tom which was truly shocking was was really really deflating and I think after every podcast so far this season after every game we've kind of been a bit positive and kind of looked at what's gone well uh, and kind of looked at the fact that Van Grand is trying to build something alongside Ferreira and some of these new players but I think it might have a slightly different tone to the podcast this week. Yeah, and that was a shame because, I mean, I feel like a bit of a div because, you know, I, I remember how I was like at the end of last season talking us up and we can we can make a charge for the top six. And we're right to be positive to a degree, G. You know, there definitely have been clear improvements this season in key areas. You know, I think as a squad, we're in a much better position, coaching much better position, etc. Go into the last episode in your, your feed to listen to more about that. But with the three-week break that we've had, with the table as tight as it is, and with the team that we're able to field, you know, four internationals returning, Tom Dunn coming back, the three Scottish guys as well, Abano starting for the first time since injury, Underhill, Will Stewart back on the on the bench in the in the 18 shirt. We really should have been targeting this game as somewhere to go out, play our first home grain in front of our fans, get those five points and push our way up the table and obviously it doesn't always go to plan but I think for me and, and looking at you know reading the, the the room and the temperature on on social media amongst bar fans it was just the nature of the performance and how flat and lacking in energy and intensity it was and yeah we can we can get into the game a mm. little bit more but I just think as an overall theme it was it was just it was just lackluster and you know bar fans are rightly rightly pretty annoyed by that it was a really, really bad performance. Tom leaves us at bottom of the table after Bristol got the win on the Friday night. And once again, it feels like we're the worst team in the league. Um, and the podcast about the worst team in the league, of course, brought to you by the Black and White Butchers. Tom Dunn's Black and White Butchers, the meet, the events and 
um, catering company. And Tom, the highlight of the day on Saturday, a game that we yeah. were both at, the highlight of the day was undoubtedly the hog roast that I enjoyed just before kickoff. And yeah, I got most of it either around my chops or down my top. But the bit that did go... In, in the mouth was was delicious so that was the highlight of the day and check out black and white butchers stand by the swift half if you're at bath home games and check out their instagram black and white butchers brought to you by black and white butchers but this week dedicated to reg atkins the father of bath wing darren atkins who really sadly earlier last week passed away after his fight with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. The club kind of did a lot of work when it was announced that Darren's dad had this 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 disease. So go back and, and look at that. And, and this episode is dedicated to to Darren, to Reg and the whole family there. Um and I think there's, there's a there's a petition I think that Darren and and various others I've seen have, have shared, the club have shared as well. So um about research into the disease, etc. So it's, it's it's worth checking that out as well if you're on social media or on the website. For sure. Moving on to the game, Tom, we are going to talk about the Bristol game as well and the, and the injury report. But let's get into this London Irish defeat, the 10-25 defeat at home on Saturday. And for once, we probably started the stronger of the two sides and ended up 7-0 up after about 20 minutes. Josh Bayless, it was, who crashed over from short range. And, and that was quite a promising start. It was a strange to watch that pattern of play, right? Because how many times this season have we conceded early and then been been chasing the game and turned it on in, in the second half? And I thought actually, for what is the worst performance of the, the season, and it, it, it definitely is that across the full 80 minutes, I think that, yeah, that first quarter was pretty good. You know, we 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 were competitive around the fringes, a few nice counter rucks we dominated the territory i mean we were sat in the in the in the west stand and you always get a bit lucky when you position yourselves on 22 or unlucky and we were certainly unlucky g because basically mm-hmm. all of that first 20 minutes was played down at the kind of changing room end of the of 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 the stadium we're all over them and got our rewards josh bayless as you say went over and also, it brought a, a yellow card to, was it Rob Simmons, I think, who who got a yellow card at that point. So, really promising start, man advantage, momentum sort of with us. You know, it looked on. It certainly did look on and, and probably could have been more than the 7-0 yeah. that, that we got. Bayless went over after 20, as I said, but there was been a number of occasions that we were sort of battering away at their line. And I think the Rob Simmons yellow card was for sort of repeated infringements because London Irish were were definitely on the back foot in those first 20 minutes. But they bounced back pretty soon after the Bayless try with a, a try of their own from Paddy Jackson, who for me was the, the outstanding player on the field on Saturday. We did get to 10-7 with a Ben Spencer penalty on 28 minutes, but ultimately did not score again. And, and from that point, it was pretty much all London Irish. Ben White scored on the stroke of half-time just after the Roy McConaughey first yellow card time. And we went into the Sheds 10-12 down. An okay first half, I thought. A bit of promise at the start, but but disappointing not to be leading. And then as we went into that that second half, the the, the second 40 was was truly terrible rugby from, from Bath. I don't think London Irish were were really that great on the day, to be honest with you. But Bath in that second 40, Tom, were just, yeah, insipid it was it was a pathetic performance I thought 
Yeah, well, I think, yeah, and two key things went wrong, right? I mean, you mentioned the Rory McConaughey yellow mm. card on the stroke of halftime. There were two further yellow cards we mentioned on the podcast last week that were top of the table in that respect. So three more in in in, in this game. Um, ben Spencer on 53 minutes for, you know, kind of a... Kind of a, just quite a stupid. Well, I don't want to say stupid. He obviously saw there was an overlap. He's he's down. He's he's on the floor in the ruck, and he kind of plays the nine. So the referee is right there. It's a clear yellow card. They ultimately don't get a try from it. So saves us kind of four points probably in in that regard. And then the one that was really really frustrating. You're down to fourteen already. At that point, it's just about batting down the hatches, trying to limit the damage and defend with a with a man down. I'm with your talisman down in, in Ben Spencer. And watching Matt Gallagher play at Scrum Half, I mean, shows how, how important he is to, <laughs> to our to our cause. But anyway, the 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 five minutes later on 58 minutes, the Fergus Lee Warner yellow cards, which I mean he's been a one of the shining lights of the season. Mm. I mean, coming from Worcester is a, is a bit of a theme in that respect, but he's been an animal in that second row. He's, he's, his engine's been incredible. I think he, he had nine, 80 minutes in the row. He's been in a row in terms of, in terms of matches. So he's been great, but that's definitely one of the, the, the poorest moments I think that we've seen individually this season from a player, just kind of a small shoulder charge on, on, on Paddy Jackson after he kicks it pointless, brainless, and not going to achieve anything. And it's a, it's 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 a, it's another yellow card, and suddenly down to thirteen men. Very very difficult to to defend that with Irish. Then, as a result of that penalty, bang in R twenty two. Right, and it, w- it was from that line out, wasn't it? That they had a short drive, and then the ball went out, and and Bern Van Rensburg went under the sticks, and and that's pretty much game done. When we've got to spend a lot of the remaining of the game with with men down, and the way we played in that second half, we didn't really look. Like we were going to be able to get a foothold in the game, and, and and a massive part of that again was the misfiring lineouts, and so many mistakes there were at the lineout. Was very difficult to pin it on one individual. I feel like whether it's the jumping pods, whether it's the lifter, whether it's the thrower, it's probably at all times a combination, a little bit of a combination of everybody. But I think the man who has to come under so much pressure is is Luke Charteris. He's been lineup coach now for what, three years? And the lineup has simply not improved under under that period. And yeah, when Van Grand sits down at the end of at the end of this season and reviews who he wants to to stick around, I would be yeah, I would be shocked if if Charteris remains in that position. I, I thought when he was appointed, it was a strange decision given the 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 almost zero coaching experience he had, and he's shown, in my opinion, no no way he's been able to kind of improve that line out. And yeah, on on Saturday, it was another example of just how bad it was. It's been yeah, it's been inconsistent. There's games where the driving mall has been a key weapon for us. But you're right, too often it's been poor. And this is, yeah, I mean, 54.5%, right, on the day. So we lost five out of our 11 on our throw. Irish, by contrast, nailed all 12 of theirs. Agustin Creevy, I thought, had a, had, a, had a good game in general, but clearly that area was functioning as well. And, you know, in the Premiership, we know how important lineouts are. They're the primary attacking platform. There are 54 kicks from hand in that game against London Irish. It was an incredible amount of kicking, which means you're going to get lots of lineouts. And it's even more important for Bath because of the way that Johan Van Graan wants to 
players rugby so it's completely fundamental to our success as a team and yeah it just wasn't good enough there were a couple of not straights from from Tom Dunn which it was a windy day but again he's an international and and, and quality hooker that's not that's that's a very unlike him but not acceptable and then what really gets my goat is that little short line out that they do and they tried it twice once it kind of worked the other time London Irish just just were able to rip the ball or, or tap it back is that short line out the front when there's no jumper can we ban that because it, it I just don't see how that gives you a, a good setup and that is that's a coaching issue that's a, a line out calling issue from Josh McNally as well so I think yeah all in all it is completely key to the way we play and we couldn't hit a barn door on Saturday. Yeah, I guess the thinking behind it is to kind of almost catch the opposition off guard and you're already setting your mall before they can they it can work react to it. It doesn't work, no, 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 I bet it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Just stick a man up in the middle, hit him and get the ball down or get the ball out. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. You've got a coach there who's exclusively there to do line outs and that's the show. Yeah. And you and you and you it's don't have the team. You look at other teams as well. I mean, you know, Gloucester under George Skivington, who, who then took over as DOR, having been forwards coach. Uh, uh, Borthwick, obviously, at Leicester. And the way that they developed their lineup over two or three seasons, really, under those guys. And it then became kind of a very, very primary attacking weapon. We obviously know what Exeter were able to do with that as well, with the right coaching. So in the right hands and with the right consistency, it's incredibly a powerful weapon. And for us, it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's severely lacking, so I, I I can't disagree with you, G. Yeah, another big problem I felt like on Saturday, Tom, was that I don't think either of our halfbacks had a very good game, and it kind of felt like the the performance was, again, really disjointed. The the backs, Redpath, um, uh, Joseph, Thokonasiga, McConaughey, barely got the ball, and it, it was just such a yeah disjointed performance from the whole team, and yeah... It wasn't Spencer's best performance, certainly. It was a pretty poor performance, I felt, from him, which which is so unlike him. Um, I know he's coming under a little bit of scrutiny at the moment from from certain quarters about his, his speed of pass, um, but his control of the game is normally exemplary, and, and, and that just wasn't there. His kicking wasn't great. And, of course, to get the yellow card kind of kind of topped that off. And, and Francis, as well, did did not play fantastically. And it was a really bizarre thing with Francis is that he he seemed to go down with two clear concussions during that game a guy who's just come back from a concussion was wearing his scrum cap obviously with that in mind and and seemed to yeah he went off on one occasion for a HIA right in front of us where he he, he couldn't stand up and then again a little bit later they stopped, they stopped the game he, and then a little bit later he stumbled when he stood up and he came on again and yeah, I, I mean, I'm not to say that the concussion was a factor in in the poor performance, but it kind of yeah, the whole show from from those two was was pretty bad. And I think we've got to kind of go with Bailey now for the for the. Facility. I think I think on Francis though, you it, he, he was acting out of character. I mean, that miss from in front yeah. of the post, what thirty meters out. One thing that you can say about Piers Francis is that his kicking has been really good this season. I mean, mid 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 eighties, mid to late eighties, towards the top of the the league I'd say that would be so that was a very uncharacteristic miss and obviously you know the the various processes that the medical staff undertake are much better than we can offer sitting in the stands and and you know trying to judge a situation but it was a very very strange decision particularly when you've got you know Orlando Bailey who's already been on for 10 minutes if during the HIA period so 
I didn't quite understand that, but I think more broadly on on, on the attack, you're right. It it looked pretty turgid between the the, the two of those. I'm not sure they they complement each other all too well. And there was a I think it was Sam Jess who we had on on the the podcast a few weeks ago. He used the the phrase disconnected, which I think is is spot on. I mean, he doesn't seem to be quite on the right wavelength with Cameron Redpath and and Jonathan Jones from the guys outside him. He doesn't take the ball to the line. He sits very, very deep and is, you know, his go-to is to, is to kick. Whereas Orlando Bailey, as we know, is much more proficient with, with ball in hand, not as good a kicker, not as good a place kicker, but will take the ball to the line. And I think that definitely suits our, our style of, 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 of play out wide. And I think that approach also complements Ben Spencer's more conservative style of play. So um, I think that I agree that needs to be the, you know, the the, the combination going forwards. And the, those guys weren't helped, right, by a four pack and a back line, which, which really lacked go forward, didn't it? And two guys that we were absolutely missing were, were Ted Hill and, and Ollie Lawrence. Ollie Lawrence, who had a storming game, was brilliant to see against Italy at Twickenham the week before. And Ted Hill, who picked up a, a small hamstring injury, um, during the week ruled him out of, of contention and yeah this team looked like a team which which couldn't get front football and, and with that in mind just couldn't get a foothold foothold in the game Tom and it yeah it was a really really bad performance I kind of before we maybe try and move on a little bit is there anything else you want to add on the negative side of that um I don't think so I think there was there was a slightly strange moment of game management at the end of the game where we're trailing by 15 mm. points and we've just been held up uh, by Chris Kalutu, who I thought actually when he came on added, added a little bit of energy and go forward to use use your words. We get held up. They, they, they obviously they, they they kick off from from the goal line. Get back in the you know we've got I think three four minutes to go at this point, fifteen points. So we need to get eight points. And at that point, it just felt obvious that you'd go for the drop goal, and we were we were calling for it. We were looking for it, and Bailey just never dropped back into the pocket. Um, I think Spencer. I don't know. If, I think he was still on at this point, um, or did Schroeder Schre- might have come on? But there was no thinking about what the match situation and how we just try and eke out this one point from a game that is otherwise gone. So I think they should have gone for that drop goal and then go for the try. It may not have happened, and I think we we didn't deserve a losing bonus point from that performance anyway. Yeah, but I thought I thought that was strange. Yeah. So just to be clear, because I know we were talking about on the day, but yeah, with with us trailing by fifteen, we want to get within that losing bonus point, so require eight more eight. points yeah. in the match. So the play is then to take the drop goal, and then receive the kickoff because then to score a try you can get that going in right to the dead so yeah that did seem like the the play as opposed to seeing the clock out and then not having that opportunity for kind of two different attacks which seemed like the play but also seemed like an awful long way away given how bad we were in that second tom in that second half tom were there any real positives to take from the day i saw sam underhill got a pole roger um yeah i think probably we could have deserved the Paul Roger maybe more than anyone else on the field for, for sitting through that spectacle. It was, it wasn't great. Was there any positives to take? Yeah. Someone I thought had a, uh, had a, had an okay game. I mean, by his high standards, great seeing Beno Urbano back out and putting in a solid shift of, of 60 minutes. I, I thought he had a, had a pretty decent game. Will Stewart as well coming back. I think those guys still will be very, very important for, for the rest of the season. So good to see them get, get, get minutes in the legs but all in all I, I don't 
I don't think so. You know, I don't think we should try and polish a turd. And, you know, looking through Twitter, there's there's some genuinely, you know, real negative sentiment. Uh, a couple of tweets. I mean, Chris Turner essentially tweeted us saying that, you know, he's so fed, it's the final straw and he's so fed up with it. And obviously, you know, this is today after the dust has settled and that, you know, he's not prepared basically to, to spend any more money. And it is expensive to go to the wreck now to, to you know, to, to come and support the the team. And I don't think that that performance deserved the sellout crowd that always turns up to the wreck. So, you know, and the players stay around after the game and and and, and interact with the fans, which is great. Ben Spencer, we, we hmm. tried to have a chat with and... Um, he he was not speaking to anyone. He looked absolutely fuming, which I like to see. But yeah, I just think that a lot of fans feeling quite quite demoralised by that because it, it it felt like first home game, as I say, potential turning point in the season, and um, and it was shocking. So yeah, I I I don't want to take too many too many positives from it, and I think you'll agree with me, G, that it's probably the thinnest moment, the thinnest you know day of the season so far and, and so far under Van Gran. Without doubt, without doubt. And I think Van Gran's been given a little bit of a free pass at this point so far in his tenure at Bath. This is the first real question of that. And it'll be fascinating to see how they bounce back at the wreck again. It's looking almost like it's going to be another sellout against the old enemy Bristol on Friday night, 7.45 kickoff, of course, as I said at the top, we are bottom of the table with Newcastle two points ahead of us and Bristol three points ahead of us. Following this game against Bristol, we then finish off with Tigers, Saints, Chiefs, Gloucester, Quins, and Saris. There's pretty much no easy games in the Premiership. There's probably two or three or four teams you feel like you can beat, but not many in there, especially when you have looked through at it and you see where we're playing some of those fixtures. It looks really tough. And, and we said that this block of two, Irish and Bristol, were must win to build some confidence in that team. And that performance on Saturday would have been anything but. So, yeah, clearly they'll be looking to put a good one in against Bristol on Friday night, who got that win against Newcastle earlier in the weekend. Tom, just having a quick look at the injury report that was released by the club. Um, and just really, for me, the highlights of that is that Alfie Barbary is back in training. He'll be back for selection in March. So obviously unable to be selected for the Bristol game, it sounds like, but we'll be back soon. Uh, Jaco Kutsia is back, available for selection. I'd like to see him get a go at eight. And Tom de Glamble had a fractured hand, which I'm not sure we really knew about. And he's back in in full training. I know he's done some stuff in the eight, in the Prem Cup and things like that. But but that was on the injury report, which was strange. And Ted Hill, who missed the game on Saturday. I don't think we'll be back in time for Bristol, but he also will be ready for selection in early March. We will have the Six Nation guys away again. It looks like that will probably be Stuart, maybe Dunn, certainly Lawrence, and then maybe a couple of the Scotland guys as well, Tom. But but apart from that, it will probably be a relatively similar squad that we go to Bristol, well, we host Bristol with on Friday night. I know this is a big one in your mind. Have you got any hope any positivity ahead of it well I mean they've been having a shocking season you know they, they, they our worst performance of the season unfortunately is the same weekend as their best performance of the season it's only their fourth win it's their first four try bonus point win and I was watching back some of the some of the game and I have to say 
unlike Bath on Saturday, 9-10, Randall, McGinty were pulling the strings very nicely, finding space, kicking in attacking fashion and put Newcastle, who again are struggling for form under under huge under huge pressure. So, I th- I, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be challenging. I completely agree with you that I'd like to see some go forward in the pack. I think Yaka Kutsia, as a specialist number eight, needs to needs to come back in. But we know the way that Bristol are going to want to play, and it isn't going to be to take us on at an arm wrestle. It isn't going to be all malls and scrums and lineouts. So. I think we'll see a 5-3 split on the on the bench and I would like to see potentially someone like Deglamber with a little bit of fire dust come a little bit of stardust sorry come back on 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 the bench and provide a little bit of impetus and, and energy later on in the game because I do think that'll be needed I think it'll be tight both teams defensively and not the most watertight particularly out on the fringes so I think we could see a, see see a high high scoring game um I think it'll be close. It was very close earlier on in the season. We probably should have had that, had that, had that win there. But you know, the form book is with them based on this weekend, unfortunately. Yes, it's tough. I mean, I just, I just really hope that Van Grand's going to be able to to get these guys up for this and get them backlashing because he must be they must be watching that back today Monday and I hope that they're embarrassed by that performance and I hope that fires them into this game and I would love to see Kutsia play I'd also love to see Max Joma come back in off I mean I know that you boys and Bay, Henry Bate have been complimentary of, of Jonathan Joseph since he's come back in I'm not seeing it myself um, so I'd love to see Joma come back in and whether that's with Redpath or, or alongside Joseph, maybe, but yeah, if available, yeah, we do, we'll yeah. red possibly available, well, yeah, potentially, if, if available. So, yeah, I would love to see him come back in, and yeah, I mean Stuart and Abano, if they're available, will make will make a big difference, and Bristol will be yeah. without their two star props in Genge and Sinclair. So that potentially could be an area that we can exploit, and and if we can get some go forward, get the wreck. A little bit more rocking than it was on Saturday. Then, then I think we've got a chance of of turning them over, and I think we have to turn them over, really. Yeah, another guy I think that you, you missed off the injury report is Ewan Richards, mm. and I know we've 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 really not seen him. And I'm not suggesting he'll come straight back into the 15, but you know, watch the highlight reel from him last season, and I think he's a guy that, again, just to to speak about energy and spark, I think he'll bring that to that second row shirt which I, I do think is an area on Saturday that was, I mean, D- D- Dave Atwood at times just looked like he, he wasn't particularly at the race. He was, he, I don't know if he was carrying a knock or if it was just a fitness issue, but he, he was struggling to keep up with, with, with the pace of play a bit. And obviously the, the locks being primary to the line out effort as well. It wasn't a good, a good day for, for those guys. Quinn Rue has returned and I, I think he'll probably, um, he'll probably, you know, come, come back into the side. Um, so yeah, I think there's a few selection changes we can make, but oh, it's an overall attitude thing more than anything for mm. Friday. And they should be able to get up for it. Jesus, it's Bristol. Come on. Yeah, Bristol, come on. I wish, kind of wish we were going again, Tom. But yeah, neither of us able to make this one. Um, and I thought we'd end, Tom, on a positive note from Saturday. And a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a little bit longer now, you had the pleasure of being joined by a couple of the guys from the Bath Rugby Foundation on the podcast and Saturday against London Irish was the Bath Rugby Foundation Day. And I know you've been back in contact with the guys there to, to speak yeah. about kind of the, the overall day and, and what they got from it. So why don't you fill everyone in? 
Yeah, I think, well, despite what was disappointingly a grim, foggy, slightly rainy day, and those of us in the uncovered sands were well aware of that sideways rain, I think it, it, it went really well by, by, by all accounts. So overall, the foundation raised 12,000 in one day. So it's the, it's the biggest single um, earner for the foundation in a, in a single day. So if you donated, then, then great. And you probably saw on social media and on some of the kind of billboards and, and, and posters around the, around the ground on Saturday that they've launched a lose the labels campaign. Um, and you can, you can read kind of, you know, plenty more about that, but it's essentially more of a, a, a collective effort um, to get behind young people in 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 the community you can sign up to a, a donation scheme and, and support kind of a child per month who's who's disadvantaged in the bath northeast somerset area so yeah the charity is doing great great things um i really like the guys i, I really enjoyed chatting to them a, a few weeks ago so i'm pleased it pleased it went well um and yeah their website's great so i'd, 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 get, I'd definitely give them a plug yeah maybe one of the only things that went well on saturday that and the hog roast from Black and White Butchers, the Bath Rugby Plug. We, we, have, we have sold our souls, haven't we? Listen to us. <laughs> More than happy to sell my soul. I've been, I've been waiting to sell my soul for five seasons. It's just taken you that long to, to get around to do it. It's been there for sale. <laughs> Thank you, Tom, for joining me. Thank you for listening again. A tough week. Um, but we go again at Bristol on Friday night. If you are going, enjoy it and stick behind the boys through thick and thin.